0: I've chosen for my scripture reading for this morning a passage out of the 18th chapter of Luke, the 35th through the 43rd verse. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But he shouted out the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Now let's bow our heads for a prayer together. We're so much like that beggar of old, Lord. We stand in need of a blessing that you alone can give. May we hear you say to each and every one of us, what do you want me to do for you? And hear us as we put our requests and our needs before you. And do not leave us alone or comfortless, but touch us and heal us and make us and mold us as you will. Speak now, Lord, your word of truth that we need and bless me and anoint me that I may be equal to this opportunity. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a sophomore in high school, my mother and I went to our church services one Sunday, and it was announced that that week we would be having revival services. On the way home, my mother, who was a very strong Methodist, of the old-fashioned style. Said, we're going every night to the revival. I said, yeah, Mom, every night but Tuesday night. She said, why not on Tuesday night? And I said, well, I'm on the basketball team, Mom, and we have a game on Tuesday night. Oh, my mother said, I'm going to tell you something, son. Basketball comes second to the church and to Jesus. So we're going to the revival even on Tuesday night. I said, Mom, coach will be angry about that. He may even kick me off the team if I'm not there. She said, Son, what is in our faith is. So we're going to that revival. So I went to school, and after practice, I said, Coach, I've got a problem, a big problem. And I can hear him saying, well, what's that short? What's your problem? And I said, well, we're having a revival at our church this this week. <clears throat> and my mother is insisting that I go every night, which means I'll have to miss the game on Tuesday night. And the coach, I'll never forget it, said, well, that's fine. Go to the revival. That'll tell you what a great basketball player I was. He didn't care if... For- he didn't care if I was there or not. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> I went, I went to the revival. The song leader at that revival was Homer Rodeheber. Now that name doesn't mean much to people today, but in that day and time, it was, he was a famous song leader. He had been the song leader for the Billy Sunday Crusades. And, uh. He played the trombone when he led the scene, and was dynamic in doing it. <clears throat> and I was privileged to to be a part of the revival that he was leading. And on Tuesday night, he stood up to sing. Now his voice, because he had he was uh, he was so old, his voice had gone on him. He would only say the words of the song. Play the trombone on the chorus and the congregation would sing along as he played the trombone. But I shall never forget a song that he sang. I've only heard it maybe three or four times since that night, that long ago night in my life. But I've never forgotten the words of that song. One sat alone beside the highway Begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and made the darkness flee. The chorus said something like this, When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the night is turned to day. He takes your grief and turns it into gladness. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. I don't even remember who was preaching in that revival. But I remember this. When the invitation to come to the altar was made. A young man who would have been sitting on the bench watching a basketball game stumbled to the altar for the first time in his life and said, I want Jesus to come to me. The inspiration for that path, that song that Homer, Homer heaver sang that night was found in the scripture lesson that we've read together this morning. Jesus is on his way to the cross, and he comes near Jericho. And sees a blind man sitting beside the road. I want you to notice something about this, this. I want you to notice several things about this passage of scripture. First of all, notice the place where he was. This blind beggar. He was on the Jericho Road. Now the Jericho Road was pretty famous in the time of Jesus. It had the reputation of Interstate 4. Not because it was so heavily traveled, but because it was dangerous. You may remember that Jesus told the story about a man who was going down the Jericho Road out when he was beaten and robbed and left for dead. It was known to be a road that was inhabited by thieves. And here this where the, the blind beggar was. And the crowd that was gathered around might have just been a group of thieves as well. And they were outside of the gates and the walls of Jericho. Notice that. Probably because there was some sort of city ordinance that would not allow them in the city limits. Out there where all those people are to be. And it is to this place, of course it is, to this place that Jesus passes by. And I want you to notice that uh, there's a crowd there and a stirring of the crowd that uh, awakens the senses of the blind man. of course, he notices it's different. This is a different, something unusual is going on. And so he asks people in the crowd, what's happening? What's going on? And thank God there was somebody in the crowd that could say to the blind man, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. There's one translation that I like even better that says Jesus of Nazareth is coming our way. And I think about the people that have been a part of the crowd around me in my life who have endeavored to tell me that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Early in my life, I had a Sunday school teacher named Mrs. Reynolds. I was in the first, second, third grade, and the fourth grade. She just was promoted along with us. She taught us Jesus loves me, and she taught us so much more. And As I've gone, gone on in life, I realized that what she was really teaching us Was that Jesus of Nazareth is coming our way. And, uh, when I I was in high school, when I was in later elementary and junior high school, I had a teacher, Mr. Tommy Buford, who was uh, our Sunday school teacher. Tommy Buford was the president of a bank in our town. He could have easily said when they were asking him to teach a group of boys, In Sunday school, he could have easily said, I don't have the time to do that. But thank God, Tommy Buford took that time to teach us about Jesus. What he was really saying was, Jesus of Nazareth is coming our way. When I went to Vanderbilt University and all of those strange teachings and voices that are Always there on a college campus across the street from Vanderbilt was West End Methodist Church. And they had a Sunday school there for college students, taught by Mr. George Kate. Mr. George Kate was a very successful lawyer in Nashville. In fact, he was when he was teaching my Sunday school class, he was the vice mayor of Vanderbilt of Nashville. And when they approached him about teaching college students, he could have easily said, I have so much I'm committed to. I just can't do that at this time. Mr. George Kate, every Sunday morning, was there to open up the gospel of Jesus Christ to the students who were often confused and overwhelmed by the teachings that were taking place in their life. What they, what Mr. George Kate was saying was, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus of Nazareth is coming, your way. I'm so glad that there were some people in that crowd admiring in me in my life. That took the time to proclaim such a great truth. But then I want you to notice the prayer of the blind man. What was it that he said? When he heard that Jesus was passing by, he didn't stay on the side of the road. He didn't hold on to his rags. He leaped up I believe, and cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What a great prayer that is. That's something that ought to be a part of every one of our daily prayer life. Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. What a great, humble prayer that is. The prayer that was so like the one Jesus told about. The two men who went into the temple to pray, one stood and said, I thank thee, Lord, that I'm not as others. Pointing to another man who knelt in contrition and beat upon his breast and said, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said one of those went away justified. There's no question which one it was. And this is so like the prayer of the blind beggar. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. A prayer that we need to pray ourselves. Now the scripture tells us that those who led the procession, those who led the procession, Most likely the disciples rebuked him and told him to be quiet. We have the responsibility, I think, of leading this congregation. And one of the great fears that I always have is that some subtle way I may rebuke somebody. And I think you have the same responsibility. So we must be very, very careful that we are not rebuking people. Because they're very, very valuable. But the beggar, the scripture tells us, cried out all the louder. You see, beggars like that are used to being rebuked. They know what it's like to be told to be quiet, but their whole life depended upon their tenacity. And so he cried all the louder. Oh, Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus responds. Jesus responds to fervent, humble prayer. And he calls for the man to come forth and asks him, what do you want? What a great question. I believe Jesus asks us as we come to worship every Sunday. What do you really want me to do for you? We have a Christ who is willing to do what you want him to. And of course the blind man was ready when Jesus asked him. He didn't ask for anything of this world like a car or money or even food. He said that I may have my sight. Of course that's what a blind person would ask for. And immediately, he received his sight. Jesus has a way of noticing people in need. And he asks us, and he asks, always asks, what do you want me to do for you? Some years ago, my youngest daughter uh, was at home with me. She was only five, maybe six years old at the oldest. I've always had a place at home where I write my sermons, where I prepare the messages that I preach on Sunday. And I was in my place. Actually, it was a little little room. And uh, I was in that little room working on my sermon. The door was closed. And uh, Susan came busting in the door and she said, daddy, daddy, guess what? And I stopped right from writing my sermon. I said, Susan, didn't you see that door was closed? You just came in without knocking. How many times do I have to tell you to knock before you enter a room? And I said, daddy's working on his sermon right now. I don't have time to deal with you. So you go on and I'll talk to you later. Susan was always a bright-eyed child, but I saw the brightness go out of her eyes. And she said, yes, Daddy, and went out and closed the door and went somewhere else in the house. I went back to writing my sermon. And the still, small voice of Jesus said to me, you think you're big stuff, don't you? You just broke the heart of that little girl I gave you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. It will be a it won't be long before you wish she'd come busting in that door. And you think that sermon is so important, the people will forget it before lunchtime's over. So he said, You think you're so smart. Write that sermon by yourself. So I went back to trying to write, and absolutely nothing would come. And I prayed the prayer of the beggar. I said, Lord, have mercy on me. And he said, I will, after you've made up with that little girl I gave you. And so I put my pen down and went and found Susan in another room. I said, Susan... Daddy needs to have you come into my office. Can you do that now? And I saw she thought I was going to reprimand her some more. I could tell that. And I said, it's okay, baby. Come on over. I need you to come in my office with me. And she came in. I sat down in my chair and I said, Susan, Daddy needs to apologize to you for being so unkind to you. Do you think you could possibly forgive Daddy for what he did? And she lit up and said, oh, sure, Daddy, I can forgive you. And I said, well, do you think you could come sit on my lap? She said, sure, I can sit on your lap. She climbed up on my lap. I said, do you think you could give Daddy a hug? She said, sure. She hugged me real good. Felt good. I can still feel it. Then I said, Do you think you could give Daddy a kiss right here? She said, Sure, Daddy. And she kissed me. And I said, Well, you missed that sign over here. And then here, and here, and here. She did all that. And it felt good that we had that she had forgiven me. So I said to her, Susan, you were so excited when you came in. What were you excited about? She said, oh, Daddy, guess what? I said, well, I can't guess. You'll have to tell me. She said, Buffy is a French dog. Well, Buffy was our yellow meat junkyard dog. Had a little bit of cocker spaniel, a little bit of Catholic, a little bit of Presbyterian in him Just a mix, you know. Hardly what you would call a French dog. So I said, what in the world would make you think that Buffy is a French dog? And she said, because, Daddy, he kissed me on the hand. <laughs> oh, I said, such wisdom. Such wisdom. Then I asked her, I said to her, Daddy was writing a sermon, Susan. If you were writing a sermon, what would you say to the people? She said, oh, Daddy, I tell the people, when you get lost, Jesus knows where you are, and he will help you. I've been trying to preach that sermon ever since she gave it to me. I've gone all over the place trying to let people know when you get lost, Jesus knows where you are and he will help you. If you're on the side of the road to Jericho, he knows that. If you're up a tree somewhere in life, he knows that. If you're covered with leprosy he already knows that if you know what grief is and you're struggling in the Shattered Valley he knows where you are and he will help you you see when Jesus comes makes all the difference In the world. When Jesus comes. It makes a difference. In your life. Here comes Jesus. Right to where we are. He knows our lostness. And he will help us. And that's the truth. Amen. Amen. And now may the blessings of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, abide with you, and keep you in his peace, grace, and favor, now and forever and forever and forevermore. Amen.